Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nisa Today FC podcast. And I'm Josh Taylor. On this episode, I have a very special guest, the first guest on the show, the president and CEO of the Chicago Nisa Project, Peter Wilt, stops by to share the latest updates from Chicago on the project for his club with Nisa, his previous work working with the USL for Madison and more. Now, I also understand that we do have the NISA Fall Championship Tournament going on as well in Detroit. And let's just say, after last night's games, my prediction of Detroit City FC winning it all is off to a bad start. I hope Detroit City FC turns around on Thursday when they have a very tough game against the Oakland Roots. But I will share my thoughts on that on a later episode about the group stage of the NISA Fall Championship Tournament. Today's episode is all about Peter Wilt. So stay tuned, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to NISA Today FC podcast. And joining me today uh, for uh, this interview, uh, first guest on the show, is going to be President and CEO of Chicago NISA. And our guest today is Peter Wilt. Peter Wilt, thank you for joining me on the show today. Real pleasure, Josh. Thank you for having me on. Peter, I know you're a very busy guy, so I appreciate you taking time speaking with me today. I know we talked a little bit off air, but you're actually on the way to Detroit, aren't you? Yeah, this is now the NISA playoffs are going on uh, in a bubble in Detroit. So all the teams are there, uh, actually Hamtramck, uh, which is inside of Detroit at Keyworth Stadium. And there's league meetings tomorrow. Tonight I'll catch a couple of the games and um, see a lot of old friends uh, around when I was trying to put NISA together. And then some new friends who have joined uh, since... I left and have now rejoined. Well, that's great, Peter. We'll get into that part in a moment. But I wanted to know, Peter, because I know you have a successful track record of building successful soccer clubs. So where did that passion came from? <laughs> well, as a kid, I was a big sports fan. I, I just loved following sports. Soccer wasn't available, so I never played soccer. Uh, I got into it by watching the Chicago Sting of the original NASL, especially in 1981 when they won the NASL Soccer Bowl. And that kind of got me interested in the sport. I started my career after college, actually, in minor league hockey. And then I had the opportunity to go to work with the indoor Milwaukee Wave soccer team, which is still around. And Milwaukee Wave is actually the oldest professional soccer team in the United States having started in 84. I joined them in 1987, and I just developed a real passion for running uh, soccer teams, uh, sharing that passion with the community, and then I had the opportunity to start uh, a soccer team with the Minnesota Thunder, was the first one. It was an outdoor team. It had actually been around a couple of years as a an amateur team for high school and college players in Minnesota. In 1994, they hired me to take them to the professional level 
in what's now the USL. And uh, I did that from 95 to 97. And the Chicago Fire uh, offered me this position to start their team. It actually wasn't even the Fire when they hired me. It was Chicago MLS, generic. And I was the first employee. Uh, hired the staff, hired the head coach, signed the players, and uh, we built a, a great organization in Chicago with the fire on and off the field. Uh, you know, on the field, it was led by Bob Bradley, uh, the head coach. We had some great players, our captain, Peter Novak, and they had a lot of fun. We won the double the first year as an expansion team. Uh, I don't think anyone's done it before or since, winning MLS Cup and U.S. Open Cup in our inaugural season. And I've gone on to uh, launch a number of other teams. Uh, Indy 11, uh, now in the USL Championship. Forward Madison in USL League One. The Chicago Red Stars in uh, the NWSL. And uh, the Green Bay Voyagers uh, amateur team in uh, USL League Two. So I think I've started teams in every league in this country. Certainly every professional league. And now the latest is to start a team in Nisa uh, in Chicago. Wow, that's great, Peter. Uh, yes, you've definitely, everywhere you touch in soccer sense, essentially turned turn to gold. They've been uh, very successful projects. Peter, what do you think has helped you made each stop, every stop you've been successful? Well, a couple things. Uh, literally two things. One is, I surround myself with some really good people. They're talented, hardworking, have good character, and communicate well. If you put together an organization that has those qualities, those characteristics, you're bound to succeed. The other part is good community outreach. Uh, proactive, reaching out to people in the community that care about it, giving them a vested interest in the project, making them feel part of the process so that they believe the team belongs to them is critical to the success of any sports team. It creates a tribal mentality when the fans feel that the athletes and the organization is really representing them. And that's what I try to do wherever I go. You know, no two teams are alike because no two communities are alike. And the team's should represent the community and the community's value. That's some good, great points uh, there, Peter. And I was going to ask you about the most recent club you were involved with, Ford Madison. Of course, this is now their second year in USL League One. But tell us, what was the process like getting an expansion team? Because I know you have ties in Wisconsin as well. How did that process get started? And how did this team became so successful on and off the field. That's an interesting one because uh, I was recruiting the owners that wanted to put a professional soccer team in Madison. I was recruiting them to join my new league, which was NISA. I was uh, starting it up with my late business partner, Jack Cummins, and we wanted uh, Madison to be part of the league. They wanted to join but our league wasn't ready to go until 2020. And they had an agreement with the city of Madison to run the historic Bree Stevens Field Stadium if they could get a team 
on the field in 2019. Nisa wasn't ready, so they chose to go with the USL League One instead. And they ended up recruiting me to run their team and to launch it because of my um, background in history with starting professional soccer teams. They had started and, and launched a number of minor league baseball teams, but they've never started a soccer team before. Uh, so I, I was tempted to stay with Nisa, uh, but I wasn't getting a lot of traction getting different independent league owners and independent teams to join on. So I did feel it was time for a new challenge. And this opportunity came to start a professional soccer team in the state I've lived in for the last 40 years. And I wanted to be involved in it. I wanted it to succeed. And maybe a bit arrogant, but I, I thought it had the best chance of succeeding if I would be a part of it. That's great, Peter. And I've followed the four masses, and they've done a really good job with the, the marketing of the team, uh, getting followers for their uh, brand, of course, their jerseys. You can't go wrong with the Pink Flamingo. And, you know, they've done a really good job with uh, the club up there in Fort Madison. Uh, you briefly... Yeah, if I could, if I could uh, say for a moment that the, the, the success of Forward Madison, uh, we're real proud of because it was something that really came from the grassroots and we built it from the bottom up. Uh, we, we listened to the fans on what they wanted um, from a brand standpoint, a community involvement standpoint, and we uh, integrated them in the process. And they really believe, and they, they do, uh, manage this team. Um, we include them in all the major decisions, uh, especially the supporters group, the flock. They had, we were fortunate there were existing supporters in Madison that were experienced in supporting English Premier League clubs and were passionate about it, uh, were active in it, and were able to translate those skills and those activities from their love and passion and support of the EPL teams to the local USL League One team, Forward Madison. Uh, you know, the, the mascot, as you mentioned, the, the plastic pink flamingo is very unique, you know, People on the outside are not from Madison, don't understand it, or they just think it's some quirky gimmick. But people in Madison understand the connection to the University of Wisconsin, the history the plastic pink, pink flamingo uh, plays going back to 1979 when the student government, in an irreverent act, uh, placed over a thousand plastic pink flamingos on the lawn of the dean of students. And it became uh, this thing in Madison where uh, people would show their plastic pink flamingos in the front lawn, uh, the kitschiness of it, the tackiness of it, to the point that eventually the city of Madison made the plastic pink flamingo the official city bird of Madison. And so it's embraced by Madison. It reflects kind of the, the quirky, kitschy personality of the community. Uh, the, the forward came 
from the fans, and it reflects the progressive nature of uh, Madison. It happens to be the historic motto of the state of Wisconsin. So you've got those connections. And each of those things creates those emotional connections with the community. And those emotional connections is what made fans of Forward Madison locally and eventually statewide, nationally, and even internationally. There are supporters of Forward Madison in dozens of countries nationwide and virtually every state in the U.S. That's awesome, Peter. Now, I wanted to shift gears a bit and focus on you moving into your new role. You were given the opportunity to return to NISA, where you were starting a project and left to go do the project for Madison, with a group of investors to start a new club uh, in Chicago, your hometown. So how did you uh, approach uh, this opportunity? It was interesting because I was a COVID-19 job victim. I had been working with the USL League office, uh, heading up their supporters' relationships for all their USL championship and USL League One teams, and uh, consulting some of the new markets as well as existing teams on how to utilize supporter groups to build a fan base uh, community-wide. And so I was... My job was on pause from mid-March uh, until Nisa came back to me uh, just about a month ago and told me they had investors interested in putting a team in Chicago uh, but needed someone to run the team. And then knew my history. I, I uh, started three other teams in Chicago. I've run five professional soccer teams in Chicago. This will be my sixth professional team. I've run in Chicago, so that's a lot. And um, they, uh, you know, I, I needed to be convinced that the owners were committed to this, and in, in short order, I won. So this came together rather quickly. You know, probably really in the last two or three weeks is when everything really um, came together. And it's a, a job of passion for me. Uh, because it's in a league I helped launch, and it's in an open system that I believe in that allows for promotion relegation in the future. It has no barriers to entry for ownership other than those that the U.S. Soccer Professional League standards provide. There's no territorial right. It's kind of um, let the market dictate what teams will be successful. It's an opportunity for me to create uh, an organization from the ground up that will reflect Chicago's value, that will um, integrate the, the components of Chicago in this team so that the organization will be a representative of Chicago overall. Chicago is a multicultural melting pot uh, we want this team and this organization to reflect that. That means having a diverse staff. It means having a diverse uh, uh, squad on the field. And it also means outreach to making, using the resources of the team and the platform of the team to make Chicago a better place to live, work, and 
play. I know that's just kind of a trite thing, but it's important to us that we put action behind our words, so it's not just lip service, but that we're giving back and helping make Chicago a better place. So I have a passion for that, and I, I feel an obligation. I have been fortunate in my life uh, to get where I am. I've had breaks uh, along the way, and largely uh, because of luck and white privilege. You know, in today's society, hopefully we're finally awakening to the fact that white people in this country have uh, been given a privilege just because of the color of their skin. And it's, it's time that they give back, that they recognize what they have and use that to make the community and the country better overall. And I want this team to reflect that. Well said, Peter. That's definitely true. We've definitely seen that in major leagues like the NBA, of course, uh, Major League Soccer, and the NFL. So we've seen that in, in baseball and different sports. So that's awesome that uh, you want to keep there's the conversation going. You know, there's been some. I'll give you that. I think WNBA has done a really good job of that. Uh, NWSL, the Women's League, has done an okay job. So far, what I've seen in uh, the other sports you've mentioned has been largely lip service. Um, I, I don't see too many teams really taking the active route of making sure their front offices are diverse, their their team staff is diverse, and their outreach into the community is impactful uh, in, in diverse communities. In, in underserved communities. And that's what we want. Um, I, I, I don't see many lead executives saying those words that I just said earlier about owning up to white privilege being a large part of the reason they're where they're at. Because I know it's where I'm at. You know, there's people uh, that uh, are, feel like they were, or that were born on third base and they think they hit a triple, to use a sports analogy. Or to use a soccer analogy, they were born on the penalty spot, about to take a, a shot for a goal, and they think they earned it. Um, and that's not right. This team, Chicago Nisa, and this may not be a team for everybody. There may be people that don't think um, racial justice or social justice is a platform that sports teams uh, should be using. Uh, but I do. I think it's an obligation for a sports team to use their platform to fight to make the community better and the, the country better. And part of that is fighting for uh, racial equity and social justice. That's true, Peter, and uh, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, I do agree that not everybody in all those leagues are doing um, what you said you, you've been doing, and I can only see locally here in Orlando. I know the Orlando Magic, they've definitely taken chances uh, to educate the community uh, about social justice issues, taking that stand. They're turning the Amway Center into a, a polling station to vote for our election. So they're definitely taking steps with that. Yeah. And Orlando City is still right. as well. I think, I'm sorry, I think the NBA is doing a very good job. Uh, I think 
WNBA has done an even better job. WNBA has done a great job. Yep, absolutely. They can, they're a role model for what we're going to try to create in Chicago. Peter, what I was going to ask you next was because I know four years ago you were involved with uh, the Chicago expansion bid when they were trying to join the, uh, the NASL back then. And, of course, now you have this new project with NISA four years later. I just wanted to know, is there any differences between the two projects? That's a great question, Josh. Um, there are a lot of similarities, uh, but there are also a number of differences. Um, I think that one of the key differences is right now Chicago NISA is going to be a third division team where Chicago NASL was going to be a second division team. Venues will be different. We anticipated playing uh, at Soldier Field before that effort was um, submarined and torpedoed by outside forces. And um, uh, the Chicago NISA team uh, will be in a different venue. We don't know which one. It won't be Soldier Field. Uh, one of the venues we'll be talking to is Geek Stadium, where the Chicago Fire played 14 seasons out in Bridgeview. Um, but the, the, the budgets will likely be smaller, uh, indicating that it is a Division Three league instead of a Division Two league. Uh, so players' compensation will be a little bit lower. Uh, staff size might be a little bit smaller. But a lot of the core elements and values are going to be similar or the same as what the Chicago NASL team intended. And that's to be a true reflection of Chicagoland, uh, a reflection of the values, um, having a, a staff and a team that represents Chicago, that looks like Chicago, that feels like Chicago, and uh, utilizes input and feedback from the community. Uh, one aspect that is going to be interesting to see if it replicates, Chicago NASL intended to be partly fan-owned. We all, uh, expected 10% of the team to be owned uh, by fans who would buy shares in the team. Um, NISA, when Jack and I were starting it, one of its core tenets, besides promotion relegation, uh, no territorial rights fees, no entry fee, was uh, to promote fan ownership. And I'm really excited and proud that NISA has uh, embraced that aspect. And uh, so far, two teams have become partly fan-owned, Detroit City FC uh, and Chattanooga FC. And I think more are on the way. Uh, for Chicago NISA, I believe we're going to go down the same path. But I want to make sure it's what the community wants. It's what the fans want. So when we launch um, the website, which will be uh, hopefully in a few weeks, two or three weeks, when NISA's Board of Governors hopefully approves the team, uh, one of the survey questions on the website will be, do you want Chicago NISA to be a fan-owned team? Another question will be, if you do want it to be a partly fan-owned team, would you be willing to spend hundreds of dollars to buy a share 
in Chicago Mesa. So uh, I suspect uh, almost all the fans will say yes, want it to be a fan-owned team. Uh, I don't know how many fans will say they are willing to spend hundreds of dollars on a share. Uh, so it'll be interesting. We'll create a committee of fans uh, to discuss this issue and provide us with some guidance on how to structure it, how to uh, put in uh, benefits for the shares, uh, and time will tell. But that's a critical comparison between Chicago NASL and Chicago NISA is that fan-owned aspect. Peter, you obviously have been involved with many different clubs. So what are some things that you've learned that you can make this project, Chicago NISA, successful? Well, I've learned it during the startup uh, part of it, the part before you play your first game. It's critical to reach out to as many influencers as possible and connect with them, get them vested in it, make them feel part of the process, and uh, do two things. Inform them, bring them underneath the tent, you know, give them uh, a sense that they're inside and, and they get information. And then the second part is listen to them. Find out what's important to them about starting a local pro soccer team. And then use that information to help build the team. Uh, normally, and I've done this for a long time, you know, for over 30 years, uh, in the early days it would mainly be in person or by telephone. Uh, and then the internet came and social media and added email and social media and website, digital media, digital advertising uh, to the process. Now with COVID-19, it's changing again. It's taking away a lot of the in-person communication and moving a lot of that online, whether it's through Zoom calls or text to phone calls, um, limited one-on-one, -on -one, uh, almost no group presentations like I used to, but that was a key part of building a foundation for a team from the bottom up, was talking to people in person, listening to them, uh, giving presentations to service organizations or chambers of commerce or youth soccer organizations. And much of that has been taken away for this particular launch. Hopefully in 2021, there'll be a vaccine and treatments and rapid testing and we'll be able to normalize more but for the moment uh i'm learning all over again that's great peter and i know you're gonna take your time getting involved with the community to build this project going forward in chicago peter i just wanted to ask you the league you're gonna be involved with nisa just want to hear your thoughts on the recent league developments with the league announcing affiliations with the amateur leagues and then also your thoughts on Nisa Nation, the developmental feeder league that the league's developing for pro, for teams, amateur teams that want to go pro. I really like it. I had nothing to do with it, except maybe it followed on the uh, philosophy and structure that Jack uh, and I had laid out in the beginning. But um, the current leadership, led by John Fruit, has 
done a, a tremendous job along with the Board of Governors of uh, recruiting these uh, amateur leagues. Gulf Coast Premier League was the first one, I believe, and the Midwest Premier League, and importantly, the, the Eastern Premier League. Uh, these amateur leagues have some really good teams, many of which are historic in, in nature, and they uh, together in this uh, partnership with MISA start to provide the structure for promotion and relegation. It provides a uh, both an incubator for the best teams or the most ambitious teams uh, in those amateur leagues to uh, develop, learn to be professional, and when they're ready, they have a place to move to now in MISA. It also serves as a, a, a soft landing spot for NISA teams that maybe bit off more than they can chew in, uh, in NISA at a professional level and can continue to play in their communities at an amateur level. Um, NISA Nation is bringing those clubs and those leagues together in terms of their relationship with NISA. And that formalizes that structure and potentially allows for promotion and relegation down the road. Uh, moving from amateur to professional is uh, a little a tricky step uh, because of the uh, increased cost involved. Uh, but with NISA Nation now, you have a longer season for these amateur clubs. The longer season is important. It provides more opportunities for more games, which means more revenue, and more time to connect in your community on a nearly year-long basis. And that's really important. Um, we need more teams and more leagues to partner into Nisa Nation to make it uh, reach its, its potential. Uh, the potential is a national amateur level that connects with a professional structure. Um, the, the two big ones that are hanging out there are UPSL and NPSL. Um, I reached out to them when I was starting NISA with Jack. Um, in fact, NPSL was their leader's idea to start NISA and connected to NPSL. Um, it didn't work out. I wasn't able to get them on board. I wasn't able to get UPSL on board. UPSL has new ownership. Um, time has gone. Water's gone under the bridge. Hopefully the leadership at some point will see the benefits. Uh, and, and, and the NISA leadership needs to also recognize that UPSL and NPSL have done a lot and uh, deserve to be a beneficiary of any relationship with NISA Nation. But I, I would love to see NPSL and UPSL part of NISA Nation in the future, uh, but it's not up to me. I'm no longer uh, part of the NISA leadership, except in that someday when I, the, league, the team is approved, I'll be on the Board of Governors. And I can be a voice in the room encouraging uh, Nisa Nation to find a way to partner with UPSL and the NPSL. Peter, yes, uh, 
The commissioner of the league, uh, John Perch, has said in recent interviews that the league is on getting stabilized and growing and with more affiliations, more expansions, and trying to get more teams out in the Midwest and the West Coast. So we'll see how that all develops. But it looks like Nisa is on its way uh, to a brighter future, um, despite having a rough couple years. I think so. Uh, Not out of the woods yet, by any means. Um, Just to maintain sanctioning U.S. soccer, we need a minimum of eight teams to uh, get travel down where it's a reasonable amount for third division teams and third division budgets. Probably needed at least 24 teams. And it'll be interesting because when we get to 24 teams, it's going to be a temptation to go to promotion and relegation to split into a second and third division. But by doing that, it's going to increase travel again. Uh, you know, so we may need to get to 30 or 36 teams before promotion and relegation uh, can be balanced with the travel uh, desire for, for lower travel costs. Uh, one thing that works in the league's favor in that regard is the lack of territorial rights and the, not just the willingness, but the desire to put additional teams in same market or close proximity to existing teams. You know, um, I would love for there to be another uh, team in NISA in Chicago. I would love for there to be another team in Chicago and NISA, and another, and another, and another. I think Chicago can have three or four without a problem, and actually probably six or seven teams she can sustain at a third division level, and a couple of them at the second and first division level. Uh, it, it's, it can happen and it should happen, because by having multiple teams in a single market, it increases rivalry, it increases passion for each team's community. And it helps further define what that community is for each team. It does become a little bit of revival of the fittest. It's a Darwin uh, for professional soccer teams. But it'll force each team to be the best that they can be. And I look forward to that day when we have multiple teams in the same market. Peter, before I let you go, I was just curious just to get your thoughts on what we've seen in, in U.S. soccer with uh, these different ideologies where you have MLS, USL with uh, the franchise model, territorial rights, building up that way with their system. And then as you mentioned with NISA, you're focused on open system, promotion, relegation. Why do you think that system of everything of open system no territorial rights uh teams battling in in the same market why that model can be successful as we move on to future years with in u.s soccer as we build towards the 2026 uh world cup yeah it's interesting because um especially two models right now i guess an open system with visa and the independent league um Amateur league, MPSL and uh, EPSL, and, and the, the, the closed systems of USL and MLS. I think the closed systems uh, provide more security for the owners. Uh, the, the open systems are riskier. There's 
maybe higher risk and potentially higher reward. Uh, so the, the closed system certainly is uh, reflects how sports in this country have mainly been done over the last century, century and a half. And so it, it's, uh, there's a comfort level uh, for the investors because there's no risk of going down to a, a, a lower division based on meritocracy. And there's an acceptance by a lot of the fans because that's what they're used to. So I'm not saying in that moment that one's right and what's wrong. It's two different models. And I'm excited about Nisa's uh, attempt at, at this open system if for no other reason that it allows this open system to be tested. And it's almost like a chemistry experiment to see what will happen. You've got the control factor of the closed system, which is going on side by side. And this is a very big country. So in theory, there's enough opportunities to showcase both models and let the market dictate which one is more successful. Or maybe they both can be successful. Or maybe one will influence the other and lead to changes in one system or the other. That's definitely true, Peter. We'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But with, with Nisa, with their plan, it, it's it's very exciting. Uh, me following the league, uh, <clears throat> it looks like they're going to try to do a pyramid in their own system. So you could have a Nisa, like, not now, but maybe in five years. Like a, a Division two level of teams, then maybe a Division three level of teams, and then you have that amateur affiliation at D4, and then, of course, you have all those affiliations with more amateur leagues. It sets up uh, – the pyramid seems to set up a big uh, domino effect that could be a game changer for soccer in the U.S. down the road. That's the vision, and obviously uh, the top of the pyramid is the first division league. Uh, it's not something that – we or anyone, I think, talked a lot about, nor should we. It's uh, crawl before you can walk and walk before you run. But at the same time, I do think it's important to uh, have a vision, uh, have a prize that you can keep your eyes on the prize, and recognize what this potentially can build towards. We obviously need more investors like the New York Cosmos ownership uh, to be involved order to get to that level um, and then that's down the road I think your timeline of five years for a second division league may be realistic uh, because by then NISA should have expanded uh, to that you know 22 to 24 amount and then NISA will have to decide um, what's more important getting that two division system set up or keeping travel costs Definitely, Peter. We'll have to see how that plays out, but a very exciting future, and I'm glad you're, you're going to be a part of it. Thank you, Josh. I really do appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. All right, Peter. Well, thanks uh, for joining me on the show today. You're welcome. And that, guys, was Peter Wiltz, the president and CEO of the Chicago NISA Project. I want to thank Peter again for taking time out of his busy day to share with us the latest updates on his new club in Chicago. 
And with that, guys, that will conclude this edition of Nisa Today FC. If you want to subscribe to my Facebook page, it is at Nisa Today FC. For Twitter, for the show, it's going to be at Nisa underscore Today FC. And you can also follow us on Instagram. It's at Nisa underscore Today FC. As for the host, that'd be me, Josh Taylor. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's the easy way to get a hold of me. My Twitter handles is at JTSaka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSaka Sports. That's at JTSOCKA Sports. And you can also follow me on my Facebook page at Joshua Taylor or my personal sports blog. It's www.jtthesportsguy.com. You can also message me there. All right, that will include this edition of Nisa Today FC, and we'll have another episode later this week. And looking forward to it for another week of predictions. Until that, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Bye for now.